So today we're talking about the power of life and living life fully. How do we do that? How do we do that? It's different from our human life. And we're going to learn how it's different today. Charles Fillmore, the co-founder of Unity, studied faiths and different traditions. And when it came to studying his own faith, which was the Christian tradition, he, of course, studied the life of Jesus. And what he found was that Jesus lived a life in Christ consciousness. He was our way shower on how to do that, on what we all, every one of us, has come here to do, which is to live life in Christ consciousness, to be the child of God that we came here to be, to act as if and to be, what's the phrase, hold on, I think of it. Oh, I can't think of it. I'll come back to it. So anyway, he found that there's this divine spark in each and every one of us. And the way we access that divine spark is through the 12 powers. And he was able to look at the 12 disciples that Jesus called forth and say, each one of these disciples have a, a capability or faculty or power that helped Jesus get to that place of Christ consciousness. And he used them as teaching tools for us. Each of the disciples, each of the characteristics is something that we can work on, something that we can make better within each and every one of us. So we started a year ago talking about these powers and this God-given potential. And the idea was to work with each one every month, which I'm sure everybody did. <laughs> and here at Unity, we're, we're all about bringing God's light and God's love in and through our lives by studying, practicing, and applying these spiritual principles, by building a consciousness which is invisible. The, and the reality becomes a feeling tone in our lives. It becomes our vibration. So it becomes more and more of who we are, just the way it did for Jesus as he was walking the planet and he was the teacher. All of us carry around an idea of who we are. And the truth is, we're really carrying around an idea of what somebody else thinks we are. We're not carrying around the idea of the divine's idea of who we are. And that's what the goal is, to know what the divine's idea of who you are and who you are and who you are, and to be able to carry that forth. And that's what I believe the 12 powers helps us do. So we started out back in last June or July, we started out with faith, and then we did strength, and we did love and wisdom, power, imagination, will, understanding, order, and last month we did renunciation or elimination. And all of these have to work properly in order for life to work. That's why life is the last one. So we are all divine. That's who we are. Know that. Say that out loud. I am divine. I am divine. And you can't change it. Say that. I can't change it. Absolutely not. You are divine and you can't change it. And some of us are attached to our old way of being, which isn't so divine. But that's why we did renunciation last week. It's about looking at what those are and letting them go so that we could start anew. And coming to church and hearing this is the first step. 
And then what you take from this and how you work with it during the week or during the month is the real work, is how we get to that place. So ultimately, you already know everything that I stand up here and tell you. We all know it. It's just a reminder. And it's the truth of who you are. Right? Our soul is here to evolve and to grow and to express that Christ nature. That's what we came here to, to do. So don't believe what other people have told you. Don't believe in your circumstance. Know the truth of who you are. That you were made in the likeness and image of God. That's what it was going to say before. <laughs> See, I forgot, even in the minute. We are made in the likeness and image of God, each and every one of us. And when we walk around this planet knowing that, what do you think our life would be like? Pretty awesome, right? But we forget over and over and over again. So we come here to remember, and then hopefully we do some work to access that all the time. So the first 11 powers, we claim and apply them. And they're in us. We all have them. It's just about whether or not we're consciously using them. But life as a capability, it doesn't really resonate with me. It's, it's really learning about what is the power of life. And we have free will to use any of these in any way that we want to. But life is the ability to energize, to vitalize, to enliven, and to make whole. It is the power to create anything. And it's in the generative organs. Where else would it be, right? And it is the color red. And it is symbolized by the apostle Judas, which is very interesting because Judas was the thief. Judas betrayed Jesus. So there's an interesting story about that as we go on. It's the last of all the powers because we need to activate all the others and to be in alignment for a true life spirit to come in and through us. We cannot move forward if we're still hanging on to the old. We cannot move into a new consciousness if we're stuck in the old one. When Jesus was born in this world, there was a consciousness shift. It was God saying, spirit saying, I don't live out there. Here is a man that's going to show you I live within you and you and you. And he is our way shower. He is our teacher. Do what he says. Jesus said, see, it's not just me. It's you too. Greater works than I do, you shall do. The kingdom of heaven is within each and every one of you, within each and every one of us. And it's our job to find out what that is. To activate life is to act on it, to act on the awareness of it. It is our time to live big. Our souls are calling. Otherwise, you guys would not be sitting here right now listening to this talk. There's something calling you to be bigger, to expand, to step into it. The power of life is calling us to act like we know we are the likeness and image of God. And guess what? Every day, we get a new chance to do it again. We get do-overs all the time. So put it to use. Our life energy wants to come through us, and that means you. It means every one of us. So I don't know if any of you thought about it, but you might want to think about it this week. What is it that you need to let go of to let that new you come through? What is it that you need to release? Our life is a platform for God, 
a platform to perform, a platform to be in service, a platform to be an instrument. This final power is reminding us that our life is a precious platform where we can express all of this. There's always greater life to be expressed. As long as we're here, as long as we have skin on, it's never ceasingly to form and reform. Life informs us, it inspires us, we are breathing in breath and life is really living us. Life is flowing through us. We don't breathe ourselves. Life is breathing us, God is breathing us, love is, whatever you wanna call it, but we are not breathing ourselves. Would you agree? Yeah, we don't breathe ourselves. Something is breathing us. In 2 Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open spacious life. We didn't fence you in. This smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you are living them in a small way. I am speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives, live openly and expansively. In John 10, 10, I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. How many people here strive for a good life? Yeah. Well, a good life is a good life. But why do you think they use the word abundant? Back then, abundant was used and was analogous with fruit and was analogous with producing. So Jesus said, I came to show you that you are the likeness and image of God. I came to show you that in this world you will have trial and tribulations, but I have overcome them and so can you. So though that's where we get lost in that smallness, right? We forget that we were made in the likeness and image of God. But I'm here to remind you that we are so that when those trials and tribulations come, we can overcome them. And I'm not saying we need to do this alone. That's why we have a community, right? We rely on one another. We rely on people that we love. We rely on people that we can count on. That's what it is like to be in service. So I'm hoping that, no, that we no longer suffer from a case of mis mistaken identity because as you know who you are, you begin to live from that awareness. You begin to open up and activate an abundant life. And it's not about acquiring things or getting stuff. Not that that's right or wrong, but an abundant life is about getting to know yourself as an instrument and allowing yourself to be used. It's about allowing the greater life to use you for greater purposes. All of us probably have somebody we admire do you ever see anybody that you admire? And chances are, whatever you're admiring in that person is one of the 12 powers. You're admiring their strength. You're admiring the love that they have. You're admiring their zeal. There's something in them that's calling you. And guess what? If you're admiring it in them, it's calling you to have that. It's calling you to wake up that power, to wake up that attribute within you. Otherwise, you wouldn't see it. So let that be something that, you know, you might pay a little bit of attention to. And you may want to say, well, yeah, they could be inspiring, but not me. No. God doesn't skip over anybody. We are all children of God, every one of us. And the light is to be coming through each and every one of us. So we have all these powers and qualities. As long as you have skin, there's no reason for you to not have them or to think that you don't have them. 
We all can be recreated and reinvented anytime. When you begin to work on this power, the first awareness is a simple thing. The first awareness is how precious life is. We often say it's the gift of life, so we know how precious it is. Charles Fillmore says the first step in the realization of life is always to know that God is life, abundant, omnipresent, and eternal. The second step is to make positive connection with God life by declaring oneness with it. Life is divine, eternal, and indestructible. It is energy. In keeping with the first law of thermodynamics, it cannot be created or destroyed. Although invisible and non-material, evidence of life can be sensed. Life is a principle and a spiritual ability, and it shouldn't be confused with human life. Because when this body goes, our life goes on. We go on, our spirit goes on, our soul goes on. So the principle of life expresses as, and has qualities of animation, vitality, and presence. Animation, life animates us. Life is animating principle, presence that forms, informs us, and flows through us. It's always moving us forward, onward, and upward. And it's constant, it's, we're in constant motion. Life derives its intelligence from the consciousness behind it. The rhythm of life within and around us is ever in motion as well as it changes daily. And the opposite of life is not death. The opposite of life is stagnation. The currency of life is divine ideas, the limitless possibilities that we either squash or set in motion. So affirm with me, I give life to my dreams, the dreams I give life to live. I give life to my dreams, the dreams I give life to live. Let's do it again. I give life to my dreams, the dreams I give life to live. One more time. I give life to my dreams, the dreams I give life to live. Awesome. Vitality, the second quality. It means essential, necessary, having energy and the ability to thrive. Wholeness is our true nature, our essence, our key to displaying our life faculty. Wholeness means that nothing essential is missing, ever. Wholeness is not always obvious to us. We have to look with our spiritual eyes to detect vitality, especially when someone appears to be less than whole. Anybody know who Stephen Hawking is? Yes. So he, in case you don't know who he is, he was a scientist, a physicist, and he gave a huge contribution to mankind about um, cosmology, when I first read it, I read cosmetology, and I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> uh, cosmology, general relativity, and quantum gravity. But he also had Lou Gehrig's disease. So people may look at him and see him less than whole, but the reality is he was very whole. He used life, every he drained every ounce of life out. He contributed in a way that many of us don't, and many of us can't. And I'm not saying that we all have to do great things. Mother Teresa, I have a quote here somewhere. Mother Teresa said, we all can't do great things, but we all can do small things with great love. We all can do small things, and that's what we're talking about. If God is love and we're all one and we're all love, why not do everything from that place of love? That's living life fully. That's opening up and being expansive and knowing that. So um, 
Charles Fillmore taught, the life source is spiritual energy. It is deeper and finer than electricity or human magnetism. It is composed of ideas and we can turn on its current by making mental union with it. It's connecting with it. Our vitality is expressed through our intentions. And then there's presence. Presence is a vibrational evidence. We recognize someone's presence, their life essence, not only by their physicality, but also by the quality of their voice. It's a feeling tone. Our eternal being is ever present. It is our presence that goes on living after our body dies. Have you ever been in the room with somebody who's making transition? Yes. So you know the feeling of when they're gone. It's, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, I was with somebody and it was just the two of us and all of a sudden I knew I was alone and it freaked me out. So I started calling him back and he came back and then he proceeded to tell me the experience that he had of seeing the light and smelling the roses and how he was at peace and it was beautiful. And then I'm like, ooh, I'm sorry, I just took that away from you. <laughs> and then I thought, wait a minute, I don't have that kind of power, really, that was his choice. But even in when my mom passed, there was a bunch of us in the room, right? There was, I don't know, 14 of us in the room when she passed. And that's the way she wanted it. She always wanted her family around her. And then she took off her oxygen mask and she was gone. And I don't know about anybody else, but I could feel her energy was gone. She had transitioned. And it's in those moments, or maybe somebody here has been in a situation where they wondered if their life was over. But it's in those moments where, I know for me, I wake up a little more. I wake up and say, life is precious. What am I doing? Am I here fully? Now, after Michael died, I did not do that. <laughs> it was like two years before I felt like I was living again. I went through this really, actually, it, I, I describe it as a rebirthing because I hit such a bottom. But what happened as a result of it, as a result of this tragedy in my life, was I rebirthed myself and I ended up becoming the woman that could marry this amazing man. If I didn't go through that, I don't know that I would have been compatible with him. I wasn't of the mindset, I wasn't of the energy to be with him. So as much as it was sad that Michael died, I have no power over that, so I was grateful for that experience. I was grateful for the love, and I was grateful for what I learned about myself and the rebirthing of me, the reinventing, the recreating of me after that. It was such a gift, and still is. And I have moments of, and Gabe could attest this, of you know, feeling like Michael's around or knowing, and there's always messages, and maybe this is going out of the realm of unity, but that's how I know life still goes on. I've had interactions with my mother, I've had interactions with Michael, and it's amazing. They don't go away. They just move on to something else. So, Know this with me. I have God in my soul, and God expresses through all that I am. I have God in my soul, and God expresses through all that I am. I have God in my soul, and God expresses through all that I am. One more time. I have God in my soul, and God expresses through all that I am. When we know this, we are boundless. This is when our life begins to serve a greater purpose. So I want to talk about Judas. A little bit so he was the symbol he was the dis disciple for life and metaphysically he um, was the treasurer but he was also a thief 
And what he did was, for 30 pieces of silver, he told the Philistines, is that what they yeah. Yes. Where Jesus was and who Jesus was. And the way he, he let them know was he kissed Jesus on the cheek. So they came in and they captured him and they killed him. And after he died, Judas felt so bad that he committed suicide. And it's an odd symbol, but what it means is that life is always lifeless unless we start looking through our spiritual eyes. He was really all about himself. He was really all about self-fulfilling. Judas was serving his own purpose. He wasn't serving life purpose. So it, it, it took over him. And so this leads to the question, what purpose am I serving with my life? And also, I just want to tell you, they did end up bringing in another disciple, and his name was Matthias. And that word in Greek means the gift of God. And he was all about the spiritual eye. He was all about seeing life fully. So life is precious. And the question is, do we recognize it? And can we act on it? And can we activate it? So when it comes to life, it's about every day slowing down, letting life reach us, paying attention. Don't leave our spirit behind. Bring our spirit with us in everywhere we go. Right? Bring that love with us. Finally, realizing that each and every one of us is an instrument for greater life. Life is not something we apprehend. An abundant life, the greater life, is something that we express. There is so much more power and light and energy that is wanting to come through our world. But if it is going to come through our world, it is going to come through the people of our world. I believe you and I are the people that are going to bring the light that way. So I listened to Reverend Darlene Strickland, and she had a great couple of stories I want to share with you. She talked about this author and minister called Tony Campola, and his wife Peggy stayed at home full-time with her children as he traveled around the world, speaking and writing and doing different talks. And people would ask her, so what do you do? And this is what she'd say. I am socializing two homo sapiens into the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might be instruments for the transformation of the social order into the kind of ethological utopia that God willed from the beginning of creation. And what do you do? So to me, it was like, you know, I always thought that raising children was the most important job in the world. That's why I chose not to do it, okay? And now here I am, a minister, but anyway. but. I think sometimes that job could be minimized. And here's a woman stepping into the power of what that job is all about and how important it is. So what if every one of us could speak that boldly and confidently about what I did? I'm here as an instrument, as the great one life, and that one life is using me in this moment as, and you fill in the blank. So the final, final quality of life that we, I talked about before is about recreating ourselves and regenerating ourselves. And I want to tell one more story about that. Back in 1920, Noel McVicker family created a paste. And what this paste was used for was to take soot off the walls. And there was soot on the walls because people burned coal. And it was a very successful business for many years until they stopped burning coal. So the McVicker family was like, oh, we're kind of desperate now. Our business is dwindling, what do we do? And what they realized was this same product, if it was used too heavily, would take the wallpaper off the walls. 
So they decided to repackage it and call it wallpaper remover paste. So that's what they did. And again, they were very successful for many years until there was no more wallpaper. People started painting. So the McVickers said, okay, God, what are we supposed to do now with this? And in the process, one of his workers had brought their child to work. And the child was playing with this paste. And the woman was afraid that the kid got some in his mouth. So she went to Noel and he said, well, there's really nothing that bad in it. He's gonna be okay. And he got thinking, he's like, well, if this kid likes playing with it, maybe other kids will like playing it. So they go, he went to the Cincinnati schools with a tub, one and a half pound tub of this gray paste, and the kids loved playing with it. So the product went on again, they repackaged it, and now it's Play-Doh, right? So they have these gray packages of Play-Doh that they send out to all these schools. Very successful again. And then sales started to dwindle. And he's like, okay, God, what do I do now? And he saw a rainbow. And he chuckled. So he decided to package Play-Doh in all different colors in small packages. And to this day, Play-Doh is still the number one of the number one products that are sold, toys that are sold in America. So my point in telling the story is, if God can help recreate paste all of these times, don't you think you and God could re co-create reinventing your life and recreating your life? You just have to want and you just have to ask. And I mean, I've done it five times now in my life. And it's, you know, I sometimes do it kicking and screaming and sometimes not. But the reality is I've, had, I've just enjoyed it every time I've had to make a different change. So can you hold the idea I'm not just this body? I'm not limited to my current circumstance. I am an expression of the one life. I can be healed, I can be transformed, I can, be, I can overcome trials of my life. I can be used for a greater purpose. How many of you are willing to claim that new level for yourself? Because the power of life is calling you to act like you know you're made in the likeness and image of God.